little background about the way that this came because I took out a, usually what I do, and God has, by his grace, has just really graced me out and blessed me by uh, allowing me over these years to get the right sources to actually study from. And, and uh, so I got all those out, ready to, to study them, and I didn't even open one of them. I didn't open one of them. It's just God just poured his word in, in a very supernatural way. And this is what um, he did. He, he, he brought this message to me personally as I would begin to have my questions to God. How many have ever questioned God about anything? Raise your hand. Seriously. How many have ever questioned God? Okay, I have. Right. And it's interesting. It is very interesting the way that that happens. And God began to explain to me about questions. Questions. Questioning God. And I just want to start by saying, by reading some scriptures, and then we'll get into the counsel of what God says. And again, please, please, by each one of us concentrating on God, you know what we do? We become a joint that supplies. We help each others. We do. We help each other to be in a place to receive. Now, in Genesis 3, verse 1, this is what it says. Now, the serpent was more subtle. That's a key word. Subtle. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now, what made what made the serpent so subtle was not only his beauty, but the Satan took advantage of the beauty of God's creation. Notice that. Listen right away. Satan took advantage of the beauty of God's most beautiful in the material animal realm was the serpent. So first thing that he did was he took advantage. Notice that? The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And the reason was, was because Satan took advantage of him. Isn't that interesting? Satan took advantage of the creation of God to do one thing. I'm going to tell you, this is what he did. And he said unto the woman, what could, what could that serpent have said? What did it have in itself to say anything? Didn't. It didn't have anything in it. But the only purpose that that creation of God, that, that serpent, could say in that sense was the fact that it was taken advantage of. And boy, and that's what the enemy wants to do with us this morning. He wants to take advantage of us by his beauty, by what seems to be so beautiful, but it's really subtle subtlety and he said unto the woman and really who was saying something unto the woman who was saying it well if she was to look at it by sight it would be just God's beautiful creation but what there was a force behind it that was taking advantage of God's creation to take advantage of the one 
that would listen to it. He said unto the woman, yes, yes, God did say. But you know what he's doing? He said, will you not eat of the tree of the garden? What was he saying? The first thing, and this is what the enemy does. He tries to take advantage of God's people by questioning God. He wants us to question him. He said, write these things down. So that's what I did this morning. I just, I didn't take any sources. He, I, he just said, start writing these things down. And I started writing them down. This is what I wrote down. I wrote them all down. And he said, now just, God just said, now I'm going to lead you through the scriptures. He said, what is it about a question? What is a question? And what is hidden in a question? And this is what he told me. He said, write it down. This is what's hidden, hidden in a question. It's called a lie. Yeah, that's what it's called. It is called a lie. Because we will either question God or we will live in the answer that Christ is. It's just that simple. So our life will be either this, questioning, every thought will be either questioning something. And and the enemy, it's not beyond him to use the word of God to question God or use the word of God to question us, right? A question. So, but that's what's hidden in these questions that come from God, uh, that don't come from God, I should say. And what is hidden in them is a lie. Now, do you remember? Let's think of these verses, and this is what he had me do. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Listen, the weapons of our warfare, and who's our warfare against? It's against Satan, against the enemy. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural. They're supernatural. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal. They're not natural. Do you see that? And so when Eve was facing Satan, she was facing him in what? Natural, but innocent, though. Please keep in mind, the only one in God's first creation, and this is what he had me write down. He said, write it down. First creation. What is God's, and who is God's first creation? It's Adam. Untried innocent. Do you know he was the only one who was ever, and he was created innocent? Did you know that? No one else is. No baby. Nothing. There's not another creation outside of Adam and remember, Eve was taken out of Adam in untried innocence. That's it. That's how, that's what, how he was created. Then there was God's second creation, and who's that? That's Jesus Christ. There's where we lie in between those two. All right, so what is, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5... What is, and let's look at that, in 2 Corinthians 10, 
This is a very key and a very pivotal message. Every single thing. What is it? This is God's counsel. And this is God's message for us this morning. Precisely. Because I'm going to tell you, this is what he wants us to do. This is what Satan wants us to do. And this is why we need every single body's undivided attention. Every second of every single moment. Seriously, because it's very important. And I don't say that to harm anybody. I say it because this is key. Because this is what's going on. Because I guarantee you, the biggest thing that he wants to do in our local assembly, us right here, is to question God's love. I'm going to tell you that straight out. That's what he wants to do. And he's going to use a multitude of things to get us to, listen, question God's love. Listen, when I question God's love, I'm going to tell you, that's an imagination. And all an imagination is, is a question. And in the question that's hidden in the question is a lie. That's it. It's that simple. I can't say it how many times. How many times? This, these, these times are so important. Because it's not only important for now. But it's anticipative of our whole future and how we think with God. How we think with God. It's not necessary. The time that we have right now is not necessary for us to look unto another single person under, other than God right now as he brings forth his word. It is not necessary. It is not necessary for anyone to have our attention right now. Not even for a split second. So that's God's counsel right now. Honestly, it is his counsel. It was his counsel for me. He had to get my attention, and this morning he had my full attention, and not another person or another thing had my attention. No, not even for a millisecond. I don't even know what that is, but it's pretty fast. It's faster than a New York minute, I can tell you that. It's quicker than that. I want us to know this. God wants us to know this. Did you know what Jesus said? And this is what he said. Under any circumstances, he needs, under all circumstances, he needs our full attention, by the way. I'm going to tell you that right now. Do you know what Jesus said? Look at what Jesus said. This is Luke 10, verse 18. Well, look at verse 17. It says, The seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us through your name, your nature through your very name. This is what he said. Look at what he said. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. You know how quick that is? Do you know how fast that is? Do you know how quick and fast that the enemy can get our attention? Do you know how quick that is? How quick should be our obedience? How quick should we obey God's answer? He said, that's that quick. Look, 2 Corinthians 10. How quick is it? Boy, oh boy. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1 says, And I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And boy, this is the way it's coming. And boy, we, so Father, I'm praying again, just quicken us. Give us your supernatural energy. Keep the enemy away so he doesn't cause us 
to through just being weak to be sleepy. I, I'm, I'm praying for a supernatural quickening energy from you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence, as you look at me by sight, I could appear to be base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. He's going after a one whole crowd. He's dealing with one whole crowd so that he can lovingly deal with another one. For though we walk in the flesh, though we walk right now in these physical bodies that we have, we don't war after these, the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Oh, boy. Listen to what it says. Casting down imaginations. Reasonings. Reasonings and thoughts that come from questions that cause us to question God. Listen, when we question God, what are we doing? For us as individual believers, those that are in Christ, when we question God, when we have questions, when we go to God and we have questions, what are we doing? We're questioning his love for us. I'm going to tell you that straight out. That's right. We are, going to, we are questioning God's love. That's what we do. We question his love. These are what these questions are designed from the atmosphere. That's what they're designed for. To penetrate through thought force into our mind, and then we begin to reason. And the reasoning is... Well, yeah, God said. Remember, that's what he said to them? He said, but it was in the form of, a, of questioning God. Using knowledge in the form of questioning God. Oh, boy. You know, what is our thought pattern throughout the whole day? What is it? It's either living and experiencing the answer in who we are in Christ without any questions. Or our whole thought pattern throughout the whole day will be questioning God. We may think it's this person. Well, based upon what this person said, based upon how they preached and what they preached, what is that? What, what will it do? If it's not the answer in Christ, what are you going to, we're going to question God's love for us. But the enemy's going to use this person, that person this circumstance, that circumstance, and all he's doing, and it's all it is, is what? What's an imagination? Is it real? Is it based upon reality? Oh, my God. You remember the thing about fear, Phobos? Right? What is it? Like, like over 90-something percentage, and who knows the true percentage, really. The things that we think, they're not even real. The things that cause us fear, the things that cause us to be separated from him, aren't even real. Well, casting down imaginations and imagination. <laughs> imagination is from the Greek word logizome, or logos. It has that word in it, doesn't it? Do you remember we preached and we preached this years ago? God gave us this, this truth. He gave me this truth. God gave it and gave it to all of us. There are only there was only before Satan fell one thought force and one function. But when Satan fell, there became two thought forces and two functions. We either 
function at all times, at all moments. We give ourselves over. That's why I say, listen, listen, listen. Don't let anyone or anything distract you because all he needs is a millisecond to come in between you and God's thought that he wants to give you. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so important to give him our total focus right now. Because who we give ourselves over to with that thought force, that's what we function in. Okay, and we either function in a lie or in a truth. That's it. Imagination. What is an imagination? This is where it comes from. Imagination, it's from logismos or from logizomai. It means to reckon. To reckon. Think about that. How we reason and think, think things. How that happens. God's first creation was Adam. Adam was created in innocence. That's what he was. He was created in innocence, untried. The moment that it was tried, what happened? He failed. He failed. The moment that he did. But the moment that he did, who appeared to him? Right? Jesus Christ in his, in his pre-incarnate state. And instantly it says he heard the voice of God. And the voice of God said to him, who fell to the question of the enemy, the first thing he said was he called out to him. That's the first thing that happens to us. God, God through the word, help us Jesus, God through the word, through Christ, questioned Adam. And this is what he said. He said, where are you? This is what he said. Where are you? That's what God would say to us. Where are we? Are we functioning in the answer of God's love in Christ? Or has the enemy come in and questioned us? And by questioning us, and really to question him is to question God's love. And then when we question God's love, we begin to question one another. <laughs> we have a question. Hmm. And then, it, then it's what? Well, geez, now, guess what? I don't know now if I can trust that person. Because all you and I would be saying at that point is, we are questioning God's love for us. Did you know that? Did you know that God's love settles everything about us? Seriously, did you know that? Did you know it? And did I know it? We, the function in Christ... Not, and we see this in 1 Corinthians 15, 47 to 49. The first man is Adam. The second is Christ. The enemy, through his lies, wants us to get us to function in the first, first man. And when we do, we become very suspicious. And that's the opposite of trust. We become very suspicious. You know what the enemy does? He wants us to become suspicious of one another, to not trust one another, because that cuts off the flow of God's love. And if he can cut it off in me, and that's where it starts first and foremost, he can cut it off in another. It's all based on an imagination. And is an imagination real? Is it really who God is? It's not really who God is. Question him. From that point on, from the point on that Adam and Eve fell, was there anything innocent in them anymore? Not another thing. 
They would live their lives if they didn't. And if you and I don't live our lives in the answer that Christ is, all we will live in is suspicion based upon an imagination. An imagination is a question hidden. It's hidden around a lie. That's all it is. It's that simple. It's that simple. We only question God. We only question him when we don't live in the answer that Christ is. That's as simple as that. Honestly, it's the truth. Well, the first and only innocent one was him. But after that, nothing anymore is innocent anymore. But thank God for the second creation. That's why Jesus Christ is called the first fruits. He's called the first creation. He's called the first fruits. That's who he is. And who we function in, we will produce the fruit of. And that goes into a multitude of things. I can't even. This is why I believe. I don't know why. I mean, should I question the fact that God chooses certain people to do certain things? Should I question that? Am I going to be suspect of that? But that's why I believe that somehow God wants these books to be written. Because I'll tell you why. Because it's going to take time. It's going to take time to do it. And I believe, honestly, that even the, the blast, the heavenly <laughs> supernatural blast of God's word this morning, he wants it to be in print because I can't possibly give it. I mean, I can't possibly do it. I can't possibly do it in the amount of time that we have this morning. It's just, it's not possible. And, uh, but... I don't think he wants me questioning it anymore. I think he just wants me operating in it. Really. I, mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Who's sufficient for these things? Okay. Is anybody? In 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16, you know, none of us are sufficient for these things. I am not sufficient for them. I'm not sufficient for them. I'm not. Not even for a split second am I sufficient for them. And how critical that is again. But we're either going to walk in the first man, and the first man can only live under the evil one. That's it. That's it. What we think evil is is so incredible. And God hasn't left it up to us to, to define what evil is. He hasn't. The answer, the answer to evil is Jesus Christ. That's the answer. We can't define it outside of that. And everything I'm saying this morning, honestly, is so critical. Not because I'm saying it. You know, it's God. <laughs> I can't help it. Listen, I cannot help it if God chose me. I can't help it. And yet if he did, what am I supposed to do about it? And if he chose you and I, and he did, what are you and I supposed to do about it? I'm not supposed to do anything. I'm supposed to receive. That's right. Amen. what God has chosen us to do. We either walk in the first or the second. Listen, we either will walk in questioning God, and please don't allow anyone to interrupt you with questions, okay, that they might have this morning. Again, as many times as I have to say it, by the grace of God, I will. We either walk in questioning God or submitting him, submitting to him. We either give our will over to questions 
and all questions are from the atmosphere are interruptions. I'm just telling you straight right now. They interrupt the flow of God's love towards us. I'm just saying it crystal clear, about as crystal clear as I am, can be in his presence. The fact of the matter is, we see first love, and first love was demonstrated right in Genesis, the third chapter. First love was demonstrated there. And that first love was the voice of God, and the voice of God that they heard walking in the midst of the garden in Genesis 3 was God's answer. God's answer is first love, and there's not a single question involved in it. There's not. There isn't. There isn't. Innocence, innocency. I looked up the word innocent in, in a particular dictionary, and I want to tell you what innocent is. Okay, I want to say what innocence is. Okay? And honestly, if any, honestly, and I speak the truth in love, if anyone has a question about me, honestly, or anything with me, please feel free to come because it's not going to be anger. It's not going to be anything in anger. It's just going to be, I would love, I, I, of course I will talk to you privately about anything, anything. And what we'll, what we'll do is we'll go to God's word, okay? Because I'm guaranteeing you the enemy not only wants to question God's love for us individually, but he wants us to question God's love for each other. And I'm telling you, that is clearly what's going on this morning. Amen. That's what's going on. That's what's been going on here. I'm going to tell you straight out, because I'm just telling you, that's what God told me. And this is Blue Chair Council. So sit in the chair, put the books down. I want to talk to you. First, I want to talk to you. I want to answer all your questions. And then I want to tell you what's going on here. And that's what's going on. Innocence or innocency. Listen to what innocence is. It is freedom from from any quality that can injure. That's innocency. That's how God created Adam. When God created him, he created him in a state of freedom from any quality that can injure. This is called, it's called innoxiousness. Or it's harmlessness. He created him. In that state. Listen, harmlessness. So morally or spiritual, in a spiritual sense, and morals means that true morals are true spiritual senses that enter in, means freedom from crime. Why do I why does God want everyone's attention when the word is being delivered? Because he wants to keep us free. How many times? And it doesn't matter how many times that we have to say it. Honestly, no one deserves our attention when we come together to hear the word other than Jesus Christ. No one does for any of us. Honestly, when he's when God is pouring the word like this into me, showering me with a multitude of supernatural correlations in the word, who should have my attention at that time? He's serious, serious. I mean, God can't get my attention. He can't have my soul attention for an hour. Really? Come on. Let me tell you something. That's not good if it happens. There's no good that can come out of that. 
I'm just making it crystal clear. And again, again, God is speaking to all of us, not just you personally, although it could apply in a more definite way. But he's speaking to us personally this morning. We're not here playing games. We're not. I mean it, too. Is God as my I'm not, because God's not. Okay? He's not. It's not. Freedom from any quality that can injure in noxiousness, harmlessness, in a moral or spiritual sense, it's freedom from crime. It's freedom from sin or guilt. God's given us this word because he wants to live us and he wants our full attention because every split second of it, he wants us to live in what? Freedom from sin or guilt. If God wants our attention and we don't give him that, is that disobedience? Yes. Of course it is. Please know that, okay? Freedom from sin or crime. It's untainted purity of heart and life. It's unimpaired integrity. It's freedom from guilt or evil intentions. And if we talk about an intention, all we're talking about is a thought force. And there are thought forces here going on. All around us. Invisible thought force to come into our mind so that we'll function in whatever thought force we submit to. That's why it's so important to come and not to give another person our attention when the word is being preached. Simple. Simple. I can't stress it enough. I cannot stress it enough. It's true. It's true. It's nothing funny. It's not a game. This is serious. Very serious. Very serious. God said it to me, and he's saying it to me, and he's saying it to us. It's freedom from guilt or evil intentions. Thought force to affect the will. What do we submit ourselves to that becomes a function? I don't know. Do you want to be the, become the function of God's answer to you and I? Well, that only happens when we give our will over in obedience. Thought force function. We give ourselves over to either love or fear. Yeah, that's right. Freedom from guilt, from a thought force or a will or an evil intention. It's to be innocent means this, not having done wrong or violated any law. Properly speaking, this is what it says in the 1828 Noah Dictionary. And other than the scriptures that God gave me, that's the only other source that I went to. This is what it says. Properly, it's not noxious. It's not poisonous. Seriously, it's not noxious, not producing injury, thought force, function, something that's not producing injury. What is it? Satan wants us to entertain us with his thought force. That's right. Entertaining satanic questions. And when he can get us to entertain satanic questions, not only about me, but about others in the body of Christ, by the way. Okay. 
All he is leading us to is to defend the self-life and the self-life that's only under his control. That's right. And he wants to separate through imaginations, through lies. Wants to separate us. To, To what? To injure us. That's right. To injure us. Listen, this is what it means. It is free from qualities, right? Free from what? Free from qualities. And really free from anything that's not of a qualitative force that comes from the answer that Jesus Christ is. Is there any suspicion in God's love? Listen, listen. Let's make it crystal clear. As crystal clear as can be. Is there any suspicion in God's love for us? Seriously. Have you and I been suspicious of his love for us? Have we been suspicious of another believer? Have we been? Well, is there condemnation from God's love towards us? Even if we live that way, is there any? No. Is there any condemnation or guilt that comes from God, the answer of us being in Christ? So if we had anything other than that, where did it come from? And what's the easiest way to deal with that? Two ways. Number one, we confess our sin to him. And what are we confessing? What we're not. That's right. First John 1 9, confess it. And then if it, and then so because honestly, who do we sin against? Against you and only you in Psalm 51, verse 3 and 4. Against you and you only have I sinned. What, how I go against another is me sinning against God. That's only who we can sin against. Did you know that? The Bible makes it crystal clear. Now, can they have injurious effects? Towards others, yes. And that's what James 5, 16 is now saying. There's two things we can do. Confess it to God and can go to the one and confess our faults one to another. Have a clean slate. Amen. Let, the, let God's Amen. love and God's answer flow, 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 flow. Let it flow. Freedom. Freedom. No wonder it says in Galatians 5, 1. For freedom's sake, Christ has set you free. So be free. Is there any suspicion in freedom? Is there any suspicion in God's love? Have I been suspicious? Is God condemning me? No. But have I been? Yes. Well, what's the answer? Confess it. First John 1, 9. And if it involved another believer, what? Oh, go to him. <laughs> go to them. But confess it. Don't hold on to it. Don't allow it to keep you in prison and you to keep them in prison in my attitude and how I treat them, how I think about them. I mean, is there any true thinking outside of Jesus Christ, outside of the word? Then where does it come from? Is there any suspicion in God's love? Is there any? Am I a suspect? Well, the way he's preaching, it's because he's against me. Oh, really? 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 God for us, who against us? Romans 8.31. Psalm 56, verse 9. God for 
who against me? Amen. Well, nobody's against me. Well, if I thought so, where did it come from? Where did it come from? Please, where did it come from? Not producing in injury. Entertaining satanic questions because Satan wants to keep us in a place where we will constantly... About my life, when I question God's love, I begin to question everybody, and it's all designed to keep me defending myself and not even the reality of who I am in Christ. And that's the answer. God's answer to anything outside of his love, anything, is this. Look, casting down imaginations. Casting down reckoning or reasonings that don't come from God's thoughts. And they are, is God's love forceful? Does he force himself on us? No. How about the enemy? You think, you think there's any force involved in that? And it's destructive. It's destructive. You know, sometimes we think that we, we want, and Satan does this, he wants us to, to make the indication of God's love for us to be the equal of how we feel. But if I have bad thoughts, bad thoughts will give me bad feelings, and then with those bad feelings, I'm going to interpret and question God's love for me, and after all, God's... God's love, and this person doesn't love me, and I'm going to use it to question certain things. Now I live in questioning. Then I can't trust. Then I'm very suspicious. Boy, oh boy. If that isn't, listen, if that isn't what goes on in us individually, I'll tell you, I guarantee it is. And if that isn't what's going on here in this local assembly, I guarantee it is. That's the truth. I'm just telling you straight right out. Make us su suspicious of each other. Because really we're suspicious of God's love. That's right. And we're entertaining something that does not come from him. That's right. No. Amen. And we make more an issue of ourselves than God's love for us or for someone else. It's just the reality of it. It is. Listen. Freedom. Freedom. Look. Let's look at this one. All started, the whole thing started, the whole fall of Adam and Eve started with what? What did it start with? A question. And what was it designed to do? They entertained questions about who? <laughs> do you know why we question one another? Because where does it start out? Questioning God. With us. It starts out with you and I questioning God. And if he can get us to that place, we're going to start questioning others. And in both cases, all we're going to do is what? Try and defend ourselves or try and work our way out of that thing. Yeah, really. You, you and the enemy, right? That's going to work. Me against the enemy without Christ, without the answer, I'm going to face him. Without the answer, I'm going to face him. Well, boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy, I, I, God gave so much, I don't even know where to start. That's why we got to put it in a book. Oh boy. Well, that's it. Okay. Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Look what it says. Galatians 3. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who's a fool? 
What, how does the, the word of God define what a fool is? Who's an Aphron? It's a non-thinker. Not thinking with God. If I don't think with God, through God's answer, Jesus Christ, through his submitted will, all I'm going to do is function in another, in another thought, thought force. And that thought force is guilt, it's crime, it's sin, it's suspicion, it's everything the enemy wants to share about himself with us. Oh, boy. And can we serve two masters? In, in Matthew 6, verse 24, oh, foolish Galatians, their confidence is in themselves. Do you think Satan has any confidence in himself? Is he insane? Tell me something. You, is he insane? He's evil genius. It's evil genius. But is it insanity? Yes. Is there anything sane in our thinking outside of, of Christ? Is there anything sane in it? Whether it's about God, about me, or another believer? No. Is that sane? What happened to us? This is what happens to us. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who's bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Somebody, Paul says to them, somebody fascinated you. Somebody aggressively with smooth talk fascinated you. Yeah. Mm, smooth talker somebody fascinated you and somebody fascinated me bewitched what is that word bewitched I can't even tell you how old these notes are but listen to what the word bewitched is it's a first heiress active indicative what's that heiress and I think sometimes it can apply to the gnomic heiress which is a timeless truth has there ever been any truth outside of who God is? And we don't need to rely on him, right? Constantly. Constantly. Bewitched. First, Aris. It's active, going on right now. It's indicative. And that can be used as an advantage or a disadvantage. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't it be? It would be extremely disadvantageous, wouldn't it? Who's bewitched you? No, look what it says. Even right now, when we, heard, when we heard things like this morning, give God your undivided attention. Don't let a single thing or person take away your focus or attention. What? Who has bewitched you that you, you personally, should not obey? The truth. Who wants your attention? Who wants my attention outside of God? Who wants to gain control and mastery over me? Outside of God. Who? Who's bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth. Who's the truth? It's Jesus Christ. Look, whose eyes, before whose eyes, Jesus Christ has been evidently sent forth, crucified among you. In other words, the preaching that's gone on here. Well, now... Doesn't seem like he loves us anymore. Really? Really? Well, who's preached all along and made evident in front of us? Christ crucified, finished work. Truthfully, what harm has been done to you? What evil has been done to you? Honestly, and in a, in a personal sense, and I'm not the issue, that I have done towards you. 
really, truthfully. If God be for you, who against you? Come on, who's against you? Who's been against you these years? Really? And for what cause? What cause would it be? Where do we get our truth from? Where's the answer? Oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was evident? He was evidently sent right before you. Like, he couldn't even do any more if he came here and said it himself. Crucified. What's that mean, crucified among you? What does that mean? What is God saying to us? I love you. <laughs> I love you. I love you. And do you love me? That's all. What, is there something we have to deal with? Is, is it personal between God and us? Confess it to God. First John 1, 9. Is there anything that we have to deal with between each other? Let's go to one another. <laughs> what, hold on to that stuff? Oh. Hold on to it? You know, like wine, you know, you hold on to it long enough, it starts tasting better, doesn't it? Let's hold on to something that's not true about each other. And we're going to actually believe it. We're going to actually function in it. Yeah, I actually believe that. Hey, you know what? what? I trust you. Because you love me more than him. Oh. You know, I'll tell you what. You know where that came from? You want me to tell you where it came from? I'm going to tell you where it came from. Hell. He's not there yet, by the way. He's going to be there for a while. And then he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. Interesting. This only, this only, what I learn of you. This is one thing I want to know. Paul's saying to these people. Yeah, they, were they against him? He taught them and gave them the word. All of a sudden now, they're against him. Well, where did that come from? What? Where did it come from? This only, what I learn of you, received you the spirit. It received you the spirit by the works of the law, by your performance, by your own thoughts. Could we do anything with our own thoughts outside of him? I tell you, yeah, we can. Very self-destructive. Not only for us, but for someone else. Please, honestly, if you want to know something about me, don't rely on someone else to tell you. Listen to me, because I'm saying it crystal clear, solid crystal clear, and I'm speaking very personally. If you want to know something about me, if you want to know how I think or feel or whether I love you or not, come to me. Do not rely on someone else to tell you how I feel or how I act towards you. Okay? That's the truth. Don't do it. Don't do it. Seriously. This I would ask, have you received, <laughs> having begun in the spirit, look what it says. Or by the hearing of faith. Have I ever asked you to depend on me outside of Christ? <laughs> I don't know. Did Paul towards the Galatians? <laughs> you know what it ended up towards him? They, they got so bewitched. Look what he says in 4.15. Where is the blessedness that you spoke of? What, what, what happened? What came between us? What happened? Wait a minute. What happened? Where's the blessedness that you spoke of? For I be a witness. I, I can prove to you that if it had been possible at a certain time, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them unto me. <laughs> Am I therefore? Become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Oh, 
O foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth when Christ was presented to you? God, did we ever fail God? Did he provide a way? Did we ever fail each other? Did he provide a way? No wonder, no wonder the Bible's crystal clear about it. No wonder it's so very clear how Satan wants to take advantage of us in 2 Corinthians 2.11 by not forgiving one another because he knows that love is the, forgiveness is the confirmation of God's love for us. He's confirming us back again. Get back into a solid way of thinking. I love you. Do I? Yes. And me and you, do I love them? Yes. Okay. Now what? Imagine if God put us on probation by the thoughts that we thought towards him and towards ourself and towards others. If he put us on probation or if he didn't instantly forgive us. Is he waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30 verse 18? Should we forgive one another in Ephesians 4 verse 32? Just like we've been forgiven. Oh my God. No, hold on to it. Let's discuss it. Let's discuss it especially with those that we trust the most and those that we feel know the other so well. (laughs) Oh, boy. Don't do it. And this is precise counsel, by the way. It's pinpointy, extremely precise. Are you so foolish? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made complete by the flesh? My God. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. He wants to to destroy us and use us to destroy relationships. I'll just tell you that straight out. Through suspicion. Through a lie. Through a lie. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, think about it. We'll wrap this up. But, boy, we're just not even scratching it. Time is it anyway? Ah, A little more time. Boy, that's bright. How do you know, Gene? (laughs) I know it's so bright. Free. Free from qualities. Free from evil action. Free from evil fruit. Free. Free from a negative thought force to come in. And when that negative thought force comes in, when that negative thought force comes in... (laughs) When it does, when that negative thought force comes in and it's not dealt with quickly, oh boy. How quick does lightning come from the sky? How quick is it? Seriously. Oh boy, how quick is it? Uh, mm, Just can't do it without each other. (laughs) For a millisecond. Mm Mm-hmm. God help us. Yep. Well, thought force. Thought force. First creation. God's second creation. There's so much in here that I just can't get into this morning right now. But we will later. I I just can't do it right now, but I think God's given us plenty. And I haven't even scratched it yet, but I just can't do it right now. I can't complete it. And God will, though. But right now, I just can't complete it. It's too bad. But I just can't do it right now. But I can say one thing. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Does he have a 
God has so much to say to us. Oh, boy. And I want to stop with this. I'm going to stop with these scriptures. And again, I just can't, I just can't complete this because the Holy Spirit is not going to be in competition with anything or anybody. I just, yeah, just, and that's just the facts. And I'm not going to compete anymore. And that's why I got to write them in books, though, honestly. I, I really believe that because then, then it's just the individual will have the book and they can be alone with God. And uh, I know one thing. Everything that I have, I receive. I receive, honestly. It's, it's, it's just, it's not performed. It's not against anybody. It's for everybody. But let me tell you, I just can't do it. But I am going to end with this. These two scriptures. And again, in 1 Samuel 15, 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, but Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of God? Is God more interested about what we think we can do in terms of serving him rather than just absolute obedience in every area of our life? Right? And if I don't obey him, submit my will to him, do I experience his love for me? <laughs> Samuel and Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices and obeying the voice of the Lord. Right? Who did Adam and Eve hear in the garden? In their failure, in their innocency when they failed, and no longer could be anything other than that. Now, innocence gone, just failure and the, and the effects of it. Did they hear the voice in Genesis 3, verse 8? Here's the voice again, and here's the voice again through the word, by the way. No, it's just not Ed. Just preaching the word, by the way. That's not it. No. Mm -mm. No. And sometimes we think we can separate the two. And that's why we don't think we need to give our undivided attention. I got news for you. And God has news for me, because the only one I heard to, and the one who had my full attention, was the one that gave me all this. And he gave it to me, and he gave it to me for you. And it's for you, not against you. It is. I feel like... A certain guy, no, like, no, that's wrong, okay. To obey is better than sacrifice. Think about that, honestly. To walk in the obedience is love is far better than sentimentality. I could even say it like that. And to hearken than the fat of rams. God, I want to give you the best that I can do. But in this area and in that area, I'm living in disobedience. And if I live in disobedience, can, can, light have, can light have fellowship with darkness in one area? If I, if I offend in one point, am I guilty of all in James 2.10? Yes. A little leaven leavens what? 1 Corinthians 5.6. Do you and I think that one area of our life that we live in disobedience towards God, how it affects me, does it affect the local assembly? Do you think so? Yes, it does. It hinders. It hinders even the word. It hinders even the word being preached, by the way. That's right. It hinders the word from being preached this morning. It's hindering. And I'm just, I'm not going to contend with it. Holy Spirit's not going to contend with it. It's just not. And I'm not going to either. I can't because he's the one that I received from. And if he's not going to put up with it, I don't have anything to give. I just don't. 
Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And if I don't live in obedience, this is what I live in for rebellion. <laughs> God. For rebellion. Again, who do I rebel against? Who do I rebel against? Do you think, you think you're rebelling against me? You think you're not submitting to me? Oh, please. Ephesians 5.21 says we submit one to another in the reverence of Christ in one another. Christ is here. Listen, he's here and he's in each one of us. What are we going to submit to? Listen, is this love? I'm going to tell you something. This is love. Let me tell you. Yes, yes. We, we heard on Monday, we should love one another. That, that should be. But how do I define love? What is love? How do we define it? God wants to give us crystal clear definition. The preaching and the teaching of the, the greatest love that I can have for you, the greatest, it's greater than any other manifestation of love, is to preach this word in precise definition. That's the greatest love. You, you and I, I, I got the greatest love that God could love me with when I sat in the blue chair and he said, listen to me and receive. Listen to the whole Old Testament. Look, it was hear and receive. Hear and receive. I can't go into it this morning the way he gave it to me because, you know, I, I'm not going to contend. For rebellion is as witchcraft. And Stubbornness. This is a gift. Stubbornness. That doesn't have anything. Neither of these have anything to do with the will, do they? Rebellion and stubbornness. Just won't do it. Hear it a million times. Just won't do it. Why? Will not give an over. And by the way, in any relationship, all it takes is one person to give the will over to affect the other. Please hear that. <laughs> That's towards me. And believe me, if you think it's towards you, guess what? It is. It is. It is towards you. And what's towards you is God for you, not against you. Submit. Do we have Christ in us? Is that God's answer to loving us and having dealt with everything? Oh, answered every question? Every Has God answered every question in Christ? Has he? For rebellion is as witchcraft and stubbornness as what? Iniquity. Iniquity. And where was that found? And who was it found in first? In Ezekiel 28, verse 15. It was found in Satan. In Ezekiel 28, verse 15, is far further back into eternity than ever Genesis 3, 1 through 6 was. Because everything that God is dealing with you and I personally in our life has to do with a spiritual warfare. One force, one thought force, one function is trying to gain control over another. And that issue has to do with Satan against God for you. Satan against God for you and for me and for us being for one another to the measure that we are individually submitted to him it keeps out all divisive thinking keeps it out keeps out suspicion you know what God's love does it keeps suspicion out of my mind 
from him, from, from me about him, him about me, and me about others. God knew, Jesus knew in John chapter 2, verse 23, 24, and 25, he knew what was in man, but it didn't cause him to be suspicious. I can know, I can discern through the Holy Spirit what goes on in people's lives. Did you know that? That's the fact. I can discern it. I can sit down and tell you. Get meet with me privately and I'll tell you. In love, I'll tell you. That discernment from God about me in love and about you and not another thing. Not another single thing. Right. And iniquity found in Satan and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. Listen, does the Bible say in Hebrews 12 2, looking away from all that would distract? Does it say that? Am I saying that? Is that the word of God? Yeah. Look away from all that would distract unto him, unto Jesus. Who should have my attention? Individually. Who should have my attention? Well, is anyone else in competition with that? Is anyone else in competition with the fact that God wants my mind? And if he doesn't have my mind, do I live in proper worship? No. Let me ask you that. God designed me to worship him, and I'm going to worship someone or something or him. Best believe me. So I'm, I can't even tell you how this is anticipative. Years and years down the road. Years and years and years down the road. Right? Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. You can't even rule and reign over your own thoughts because you won't submit your will to him. Let me tell you, that's what's coming against us, against the, his love. And let me tell you something straight right now. God loves us. And he doesn't want to live apart from him to define who he is and what he is, period. And when we do, all we're going to do is be suspicious because of an imagination, because of an imagination is just simply what? Something that's hidden. And it's called a lie. A lie. And who's the father? Who is the father of all lies? Who is it? John 8, 44, who is it? Can't even begin to tell you the volume of, of this stuff that we're skipping over. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me tell you. Listen, God loves you and I. And I want to make this clear, too. Make it very, very clear. Again, in type, and I just will finish with this. In 1 Samuel 15, 33, and Samuel said, as the sword has made, has made children, women childless, so will your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord. I want to tell you, you know what that is? In type, you know what it's saying? Right? What's the sword representative of all through the word? The word of God. Huh? Ephesians 6, 17. Hebrews 4, 12. It is the word of God. Who is the word of God? Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. And who, does, who is Agag a type of? It's a type of the flesh. Under the prince and power of the air. 
And we are to take the word. And boy, when that flesh comes in, who's under the influence and power of Satan, and what should we do with that? Should we play with it a little bit? Should we hang on to it a little bit? Keep ourselves on probation? You, you know, the enemy may, may cause you and I to think, we're keeping the other one on probation. What's that mean? I'm going to create distance. I'm just going to create distance. That's, you know, that's like the illustration. There's a fence, and we're throwing love bombs over. Hey, love you. Ever hear that one? Love you too. <laughs> Fences up. <laughs> yeah, keep suspicion in. Keep love out. It's just me and God. You think that's what it is? <laughs> just you and I. Just you and me, God, right? Mm. You think so? That's the body of Christ? Love bombs. Yeah, sure. What kind of bombs? Yeah, I love you. Yeah, I want to get with you apart from the local assembly, but I want to have time with you because I love you. Yeah, I know. Okay. Love you too. Do. I do. And I'm going to submit to him in my thoughts about you. Mm-hmm. But because I love you, if I really love you, you know, I love you, I'm going to hear how suspicious you really are of another person. That's love. That's functioning in God's love. You got to be kidding me. Not even close. Not even close. Well, Father, bless the word. And the you you love us so much that you you are defining what love is. That's right. Amen. You're defining what love is, and you're keeping sentimentality up. And when you keep sentimentality up, you keep familiarity up. When you keep familiarity up, you keep suspicion out. You keep negativity out. Thank you, God, that we we can what? Looking away from all that would distract unto Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That starts individually. That starts individually. Yeah, God is love. That's right. God is love. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the way that you love us. And may we continue to function in the proper definition of it. Yes, we love one another. Yes, yes, love is patient. But while we, we are patient, and God, God is patient with us to teach us, to fill in all those gaps in our Christian life, to fill it up. And every area that he does, he keeps out that submission and he keeps health. We become a healthy person and a healthy body in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans 14, verse 22. Have you faith? What does that say? Is God asking you and I that right now? Yeah. Do you have faith? What is faith? Do you have dependence upon me? Do you have faith? Look at what it says. Have it to yourself before God. What's that mean? Does that mean that, mean that I don't trust the other person or I don't trust God for the other person? Is that what it means? Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Right? Love is so much more than what we think. God is so much more than what we think. And, and believe me, we aren't the definition of that. We are not 
the definition of that particular thing. We're not. We're not the definition. God is, isn't he? God is. Yes, God is. Yeah, that's right. Romans 14, 22. Have you faith? Do you have dependence? Have it to yourself before God. Look at what it says. And happy is he that condemns not himself. Why? Because he's functioning in God and God doesn't condemn us because in Romans 8, 1, we're in him, aren't we? We're in him. <laughs> wow. Well, what are we going to use our energy for right now? What will we use our energy for right now? What will we use the energy for right now? Isn't that interesting? Think of everything else that we could use our energy for today. And yet we have the opportunity to use energy right now to receive God. And do you think there might be any interference with that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. You know what? Oh, never mind. Okay. Anyway. Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. Think about that. Deal with things in God's presence. And the answer that Christ is, so you don't condemn yourself. And when you don't condemn yourself, you're not under the influence of the atmosphere. And guess what? He won't use you to condemn somebody else. Oh, God. And call it fellowship. Hey, what's the matter with that person? Gee, what happened? Nothing happened to me. Nothing. Nothing. What happened to you? <laughs> what happened? Wow, the preaching. What do you mean? What? Huh. Yeah, and I don't discern any of that. I just want to let you know. I don't, I'm not discerning any of that. Yes, I am. Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. And he that doubts. You know what? What? I doubt that person loves me. Or at least I doubt that they're not functioning in love towards me. Really? Have you, do you, are you properly defining God in your life? Are you living in the proper definition of who Christ is in you? And should you know yourself after the flesh in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17? And should you know one another after the flesh? Should you? Should I? Should I know you after the flesh? Nope. That's why, honestly, that's why, I, and I'm being very clear, that's why I call you by your name. That's why when I, when I talk to you, as best I can, and, and believe me, have we, have, has, has anybody failed each other since you've been here? Did you, did you, did you actually do it on purpose? Did you ever fail and say, oh God, I didn't know it, forgive me? Yeah, and we shouldn't do that with each other, right? Well, we should define each other outside of Christ by the failure or by the suspicion, you know. <laughs> and none of this I, I discern either, by the way. Yes, I do. And he that doubts, he that doubts, he that doubts, you know what that means? He that doubts, and what is doubt? It's a lack of discernment where a difference comes in. Now, we, how many believe are in Christ? 
And when he placed us there, was there any difference in the one that he placed us in and the place that we are in? Is there any difference? No. No. Boy, we're going long this morning. Oh, my God. Woo-woo. Boy, how happy I am. I can't even believe it. He that doubts or he that discerns thinks that he has discernment and it puts a difference between somebody. Look what it says. That's what it says in the original, by the way. And he that, that doubts is damned. No, I, I'm not saying that. He that doubts is da- I doubt that person loved me. Yeah, I know. Jesus didn't love Peter when he looked right at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, he wasn't loving him. He doubted it. Yeah, right. Of course, you know, Peter could define himself outside of Christ. And you and I can. And we should discern one another outside of Christ, shouldn't we? That's fun. We're going to look up the word fun sometime, too, by the way. And he that doubts is damned if he eats because he eats not of faith. What's that? What's that? Huh? <laughs> he eats not of faith. Dependence. For dependence. For whatsoever is not of dependence is what? It's sin. Right? Then, then this is it. I didn't think I was going to go on. Look at that. Isn't that awful? God, I'm going on, honey. Yeah, that's so awful. God, how are we going to get the energy to continue? <laughs> oh, boy. And I'm not against you. I fool you. First John 5, 1, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. Notice that? He is the Christ. Is he the everything for me? Is he? Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Right? And everyone that loves him that begot loves him also that is begotten of him. <laughs> you begotten in Christ? You, you born again? Were you begotten in Christ? I am. And if you love me, you know what that's telling you? God loves you and you love God. Isn't that interesting? That's right. Well, I'm questioning it. Who are you questioning? Where did the question come from? Where did it come from? Where did it come from? I can tell you where it came from. Hopefully you and I, we both know together and we can agree. And all we can do, all we can do is if, if we fail God, we sin against him. First John 1, 9, we confess it. If it's something that came against you and I, we go to one another. Isn't that interesting? In love, in Christ. <laughs> How does Christ approach us? How does Christ approach us in everything and who he's made us to be in himself? Not in who or not. Oh, that might have something to do with fellowship and who we trust. Because they know certain things. Mm-hmm. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Right? For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. They're not irksome. They're not troublesome. Right? So, again, we're closing. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.